for me. Let me hide myself in thee. Let the water and the blood from thy wounded side which flowed be of sin the double cure. Cleanse me from its guilt and power. Nothing in my hand I bring. Simply to thy cross I cling. Naked come to thee for dress. Helpless look to thee for grace. Foul I to thou fountain fly. Wash me, Savior, or I die. While I draw this fleeting breath, when mine eyes shall close in death, when I soar to judgment throne, rock of ages cleft for me. Let me hide myself in thee. So today we're looking at Psalm 119 verses 61 through 64. And here we're moving into the social implications of the believer's zeal for the Lord. And so in the first part, we saw that this section is framed by two core realities. The Lord is my portion, and the earth is full of your loving kindness. And what we saw yesterday is that first reality is an utter commitment to the truth of the sufficiency of the Lord. He is my portion. And what we see in verse 64 is an utter commitment to the truth of the sovereignty of the Lord. The earth is full of his loving kindness. It's his, and it's full of it. And the first section tells us how to live in the light of the Lord's sufficiency, and this section teaches us how to live in the light of his sovereignty. And now we're moving out into the world, and now we're moving into relationships in the world. Verse 61, relationships with the wicked. And then verse 63, relationships with other believers. So 61, the cords of the wicked have encircled me, but I have not forgotten your law. At midnight I shall rise to give thanks to you because of your righteous ordinances. I am a companion of all those who fear you and of those who keep your precepts. The earth is full of your loving kindness, O Lord. Teach me your statutes. So verse 64, the sovereignty of the Lord is the foundational truth. And you see four things here that he's going to do. On the one hand, he's being pulled by the wicked. You see that their cords entrap me, entangle me, encircle me. But then notice, how does he fight back? By remembering. I will remember the Lord. And then notice, he'll be regular or disciplined in seeking the Lord. We'll come in on this in a second. What does he mean about rising in the middle of the night? 
And then he's going to cultivate a fellowship with the like-minded. Verse 63, I am a companion of all those who fear you. Then ultimately he's going to look to God for his teaching. Teach me your statutes, always learning. So let's think about a couple of those things. First in verse 61, the, the snares, the cords of the wicked. See, he's been trapped. He's been ensnared. So think about how the wicked try and trap you. I mean, they can literally trap you, kidnap you. But then they can also trap you through ideology. You can be trapped by the wicked as you get swept up in the current cultural moment. There's all types of ways that the wicked can ensnare. And I think it's important to notice how he fights back. He fights back by remembering. I've not forgotten your law. I'm going to remember your law. I've been thinking last couple of days about how so many of our troubles could be traced back to the reality of how we've forgotten the Lord's law, Torah, the instruction, even going back to Genesis 1, 2, 3, 4, and Genesis 1, where we are all created in the image of God as a core foundational reality. Bad things happen when we forget that. Go back to Genesis 6 and the flood and the central reality of the sanctity of life. Bad things happen when we forget. And the way he's going to fight the wicked is to remember who the Lord is, what he said, what he's done in the past. And then this is an interesting thing on at midnight, I will rise to give thanks to you. And there's some ambiguity. Is he rising at midnight as the part of a disciplined practice? Now remember, midnight doesn't mean 12 o'clock on the, it didn't have watches like we do. It means that in the, the middle of the night. So is he intentionally waking because that's the only time he can have for dedicated, committed prayer and knows that as precious as sleep is, this is more important? Or is he rising and waking because he can't sleep? I think either way, we learn something about the centrality of prayer and praise. I love what Christopher Ash says about this. He says, his heart, like our hearts, needs reminding of this sufficiency in the night. The night is the time of doubt and anxiety. This is why I think he rises at midnight to praise you because of your righteous judgments. In the middle of the night, when fears crowd in, he engages in the discipline of conscious praise and so reminds himself of the righteous way God runs the world and therefore reminds himself of his safety. In the middle of the night, when fears assail, this is where we go. But then notice an amazing thing in verse 63 is that even in the midst of the hostility, he's not alone. I am a companion of all those who fear you. Now, what's interesting is this is a new note that's struck for the first time in this psalm. Up until this point, he's been all alone. Maybe that's part of the trouble. Up until this point, he's been all alone. But here, a new note is struck, and that shows us that discipleship is about companionship. It's about joyful fellowship. See, the danger with wholehearted discipleship, the first part of this section is all about his whole heart. He's going to vow and he's dependent. He's going to examine and he's going to commit. He's wholehearted. But the danger with wholehearted discipleship is often you can delude yourself into thinking you're the only one. You're the only true believer, the only one who's really faithful, just like Elijah did in 1 Kings. And what did the Lord have to remind him? There's 2,000 prophets who haven't bowed the knee. Or just like Paul needed to be reminded in Acts 18 when he faced hostility in Corinth and God told him, go back into the city. I have many more there. There's many more. See, in times of hostility, it's natural to look inward 
But here in verse 63 and 64, we get turned outward. We have companions. They'll help us. And then we look to the earth. It's full of his loving kindness. See, it's his sufficiency encourages him in the first half, and the sovereignty of the Lord over all the earth encourages him in the second half. So think about your life. You know, we're in the midst of three great crises, a health crisis or scare, financial crisis, a social, racial crisis. What area of your life or your relationships do you especially need to remember that the whole earth is full of the Lord's steadfast love? Is there a certain area, one of those three, where you're finding it really hard to feel or believe that this is true right now? So the question has, this shows us how verse 57 and verse 64 can be foundational truths that anchor us and stabilize us. Which do you need to know more of today? That the Lord is sufficient? He is your portion? He will provide all you need? Or that the Lord is sovereign in his loving kindness and the earth is full of his beauty and goodness, even though it's so hard to see it? These twin realities are meant to encourage you and motivate you. In the first half, encourage your private life. And in the second half, encourage your social life, public life, your relationship with others. And how does it come? Look at the last line. Teach me your statutes. How we need to be taught. Maybe the first step to having stable hearts is having open minds. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise him, all creatures here below. Praise him above you. Heaven.